Hello, everyone. Welcome to Run Out Radio. I'm Jerry Forsythe. I'm alongside Mike Howerton. And this week, we're going to be talking to the defending United States Open nine-ball champion, John Schmidt. But first, Mike Howerton's got the news of the week for us. Mike, what you got? Well, Jerry, we skipped a week, so we've actually got two weeks' worth of news to talk about. Uh, The big event that just took place over the holiday weekend was the 34th annual Texas Open at GQ Billiards in Round Rock, Texas. Big event, 114 players in the Open division, 22 players in the Ladies division. Uh, Let's talk about the Ladies division first. It was won by Q-E, K-Y-U, I You'd love to think it was C-U-E, but no. Q-Yi, it's a player from Asia. She's done real well the past year or so. She's won more than her share of uh, Fast Eddie's Tour events over in the Texas area. Has she tried any WPBA qualifiers, to your knowledge? She has played in some Hunter Tour stops, and she doesn't do as well on the Hunter Tour I'm not really sure why that is, because a lot of the top Hunter Tour players also play in the Fast Eddie's Ladies Division. I I don't know, maybe it's just a deeper field instead of a stronger field that she struggles with. Well, maybe she's a name to watch. Oh, definitely is. Uh, I think we're definitely going to see more of her in the future. The Open Division always draws its fair share of top pros, and this year was no different. Uh, Jeremy Jones, Gabe Owen, Cliff Joyner... Rafael Martinez, Charlie Bryant, Mike Davis, Tony Chohan. And with a field like that, you would think that one of those players would would make it through the tournament. Uh, the event ran long. They played it on 11 tables, and even though they were playing over three days, it still ran very late into Tuesday morning. Uh, the winner's side came down to Silver Ochoa, who defeated Rafael Martinez for the hot seat. And on the one-loss side, it came down to Gabe Bowen and Mike Davis. My understanding from the people who were there running the event, the late hours finally got the best of Gabe. And although he beat Mike Hill-Hill, he pretty much just ran out of all steam in that match. When Ochoa sent Martinez over to the one-loss side, Martinez just rolled over Gabe. And then when Martinez came back over to play Silver in the finals... Silver was strong again, and he beat Martinez 9-5. I don't know a lot about Silver Ochoa. Do you, do you know much about him? Well, that's a big win for him. Yeah, I've seen him around quite a bit. He had a very nice year at the U.S. Open. Um, if it wasn't last year, it would have been the year before. And uh, he came in, I believe, in the top 16, but he beat a lot of top guns that year. Uh, and everyone was talking that uh, this is a stick to watch in the future. Well... Uh, maybe he's going to make this fall his coming out party. Well, now would be the time to uh, be getting into gear. I did see him three or four years ago at the Junior Nationals, and he played real well there, but he didn't finish high enough really in that event that that it stuck with me. So I'll have to go back and look at the archives to look into that U.S. Open finish. In other news, the Guinness Nine Ball Tour held their season finale in Bali, Indonesia, the event was won by Jung Ling Chang from Chinese Taipei. He's won two regular tour stops this year, and then he won the finale, which brings his yearly prize money figure up to $66,000. Moves him into second place on the money list this year. The uh, boys from Taipei are really making a showing this year. I believe they're doing well on other slots on your money list. 
Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a long time, it's not a Filipino player at the top of the list. Nils is at the top of the list because he won the 50000 at the Tournament of Champions. But right. Chang is in second. Yang is in third. And then you have a Filipino player, Orcoyo, in fourth. And Johnny Archer in fifth. I just don't remember when the last time was that we didn't have a Reyes or a Bustamante at the top of the list. And I realize it's hurt them not playing on the Guinness Tour, which, of course, used to be the San Miguel Tour. Last year it was the San Miguel Tour, and the tour was dominated by the Filipino players. This year it's the Guinness Nine Ball Tour, and while there were Filipino players on the tour, players from Taipei won every stop and the finale. Wow. Well, the proof is in that pudding, isn't it? Uh, We've been saying for a long time that the game keeps moving east. Yeah, and... The the uh, the players from Chinese Taipei they're they're really making names for themselves. I mean, there was Fong Pang Chow years ago, and and now it's Yang. And I'm not real familiar with this Chang player, but in order to finish that well in three events, he's got to be right up there in ability. When this Asian Pacific Tour starts up next year, we'll see how those players do, and and we'll also see if the Filipino players come out and and throw their hat in the ring again. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. By the way, we'd like to apologize to our listeners who are offended by the way we pronounce Yang and Chang and Fong Pang Chow. We pronounce it that way so that our listeners, when they see those names in print, they'll know who we're talking about. If we pronounce it the Chinese way, you cannot relate it to the way it looks in American print. So we choose what we hope is the lesser of two evils. The other event that took place over the long weekend was at Bankshot Billiards in Jacksonville. Uh, they hosted the Jacksonville Open. I believe it was 2,000 added. It was won by Corey Duell. Tony Crosby took second. Uh, haven't seen much of Corey lately, but nice to see him back out winning a tournament. It's amazing. In Florida, you can put on a small tournament and draw all those big names. It just shows how many big guns are living in that area. Well, the Seminole Tribes Tour certainly did its part in bringing a lot of the players into the Florida area as if there weren't enough there already. (laughs) Yeah, the Seminole Tour, they've been around for, I don't know how many years now, what, four or five? And they grow it a little bit each year. They take care of the players. They treat them right. So I think that's a tour that deserves to grow. Uh, Going back to last week, uh, Great Southern Nine Ball Tour at Palace Billiards in Greenville, South Carolina. That's Shannon Dalton's tour. Right. Going along with the list of players that we haven't seen in a while, Tony Watson came out of the one-loss side and double-dipped Louis Ulrich in the finals. Uh, Watson is a name that we haven't heard in very many tournaments lately. And and then beyond that, it was another great finish for Louis Ulrich. Yeah, not a surprise that Louis has these great finishes, of course. Uh, he's just really, really rededicating himself to his game, and the man can certainly play. Tony Watson, uh, you're never surprised to see his name at the top of the list, but then again, sometimes you are because Tony, when it comes to tournaments, you know, sometimes he comes to play, sometimes he doesn't come to play, or sometimes he just doesn't come at all. <laughs> uh, you just never know. So it's, it's good to see him up there. I did speak to Louis Ulrich uh, over the long weekend, and it sounds like he has made the decision based on some of the finishes he's had lately that he's going to try to go the Stevie Moore route, and he's going to get serious and get out there and play in tournaments and, and really see if he's got what it takes to compete at that level with the pros. 
Yeah, he's not going to sneak up on anybody, though. Uh, these pros know Louie, and uh, they're not going to let down his, their guard for him. He's going to have to put some work in, but he's got the natural talent. He's got the skill. It's going to be interesting to watch, see what he can do over the coming year. The Blaze Tour was at Leisure Time Billiards in Levittown, New York. Uh, that event was won by Tony Robles. Always nice to see Tony out there doing well in a tournament. Uh, he is a unique individual. I met him for the first time four or five years ago uh, in Vegas at the BCA event. I would talk to players or I would talk to fans and I would mention Tony's name, and every single one of them would say, wow, Tony Robles, he is a great guy. And you don't see that in the pool world. You always have some people who say, oh, you know, Johnny Archer, he's a great guy, or Rodney Morris, you know, I really like Rodney Morris. But there's always those other people who are like, well, yeah, you know, he's a good guy. There is no one who says that about Tony. Every single person just says Tony is the nicest guy in the world. And you've never heard Tony say a crossword about anybody. And, and you're right. Everybody praises Tony Robles. And uh, I think a lot of that is because he's such a fine family man. I mean, if you want to watch Tony Robles smile, just, just mention the name of his son, Jonathan. And that big old smile comes across his face. And Jonathan uh, is a great kid. He's going to be just like his dad. So, uh, you know, Tony's got a lot of good things going for him. A wonderful personality, a great attitude, and one heck of a pool game. I've done, as have you, uh, quite a few interviews of different pro players over the years. And I always think back to the interview I did with Tony, and Jonathan was in the room with him. And Jonathan was trying to ask him a question while he was trying to answer a question to me. And it was just amazing. You could hear it in the tone of voice and, and the way he said things when he stopped the interview for a moment and spoke to Jonathan. I mean, as a father myself, you can hear it in someone's voice, that that care and concern and understanding for the child. It's a shame anytime you don't hear it, but it was just all over that conversation that he had with Jonathan. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, their relationship is, is really beautiful. One other finish I'd like to mention from the Blaze Tour, uh, tied 7th-8th was Wally Muhammad and Liz Ford. We've mentioned her at those events in the past, and it's always nice to see her finish in the money. Yeah, we seem to be mentioning her name more and more. It's good for the players. I mean, it's always good, like Monica said a couple weeks ago, it's always good for the female players to get out and play in those events, but they don't need to be just coming out and making a donation, and Liz is making it clear that she's not just coming out making a donation trying to play better players and improve herself. She's out there competing each and every time. Yes, she is, and she's letting the results speak for her, so we'll keep reporting the results. What else you got? Uh, last event I've got for this week is the Western Women's Regional Tour, uh, California Billiard Club, Mountain View, California. Right. Uh, historically, those events have been dominated by Michelle Rakin, except uh -huh. for the past two or three events, which Mary Rakin had stepped up and won. But all is now right in the world again, and Michelle took first place in this one. And I expect she'll probably dominate that tour for as long as she decides she wants to continue playing on it. Good position to be in. <laughs> well, with that being the news, we've got a great guest waiting on the line. Uh, shall we get to that? Let's do it. I think we've got John Schmidt on the line. John, how are you today? Real good, Jerry. Well, it's always good to talk to you. I'm real curious. You're going into a U.S. Open as the defending champion. There's only been one 
player in history who successfully defended the U.S. Open Championship. That was Nick Varner. He did a back-to-back back in the 80s. Uh, how do you like your chances this year? Well, I'll tell you, I feel a little bit more prepared this year. Um, I've been given some lessons in my hometown, some playing lessons, and it's given me a chance to get down and play a couple hours a day for the last few weeks. And uh, going into the Open, I should be pretty prepared, and I've worked on my box break a lot this year. Um, so I think I've got that a little uh, more under control. And, uh, you know, it's funny, though, the last few guys that have won the, the Open, it seems like the next year they don't even cash. So I'm kind of hoping to uh, change that. But... Uh, I should be able to defend myself and uh, represent America pretty well. I'm uh, playing a lot and feel good about my chances. Well, do you feel, I mean, it would seem to me that winning the U.S. Open would do a lot of good for a player's confidence, and that improved confidence would do a lot of good for their game. Do you feel like your game has stepped up a notch at all uh, by winning the Open? Well, Honestly, maybe not stepped up a notch, but but I do I do believe that I can get in there and mix it up with the best players. Uh, and the way that tournament uh, went down for me, you know, going to the loser side and have to win several matches and and winning them quite decisively, I, I think that did a lot for me because I've won some tournaments where you know I win a bunch of hill hill matches and and you know a win is a win, but you know yourself you got lucky and won a lot of hill hill matches. But I really did uh, play real solid that week and. And it was good to see myself let my A-game out under pressure. So that was a lot of fun. And, yes, I think it did help my confidence. Well, John, I'm kind of curious. Uh, a year ago, you were on the forums. You were looking for a sponsor. You weren't even sure you were going to be playing at the U.S. Open. And you went on to win the tournament. And then, of course, that went on to, to turn into a spot on the Moscone Cup team. Can you describe what the last year has been like? Well, it's uh, it's been pretty wild. Uh, that Moscone Cup was unbelievable, and you really can't uh, understand what it's like unless you're there playing in person. I really didn't handle that situation my best. I, I really didn't feel like I played my best under the pressure, but it was the most pressure I've ever felt. But uh, a lot of good things have happened. Um, it's opened a lot of doors for me, and uh, you know I'm, I'm really thrilled to have won. And 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 really quite fortunate that uh, I did go to the tournament because you know I could have stayed home and and uh, we wouldn't be here talking about it. Well, you know, you won the U.S. Open, which, of course, is a nine-ball championship, but a lot mm-hmm. of people know you as a straight pool player. I'm just curious, if, if you're going to go knock the balls around with a friend of yours, what game would you rather play, nine-ball or straight pool or one-pocket? What's your well, favorite discipline? Well, it's funny you ask that. Um, really, I like them all. Uh, the thing is, I like the rules of straight pool I would like the rules of straight pull to be applied to nine ball because uh, for, for the pros to be able to luck balls in, miss and hook you and all that, I think is ridiculous. And I don't really like the rules of nine ball, but running balls in rotation is quite difficult, and the game has a lot of, you know, uh, integrity to it. And, and it's, you know, it's a good game. I, I think if I was stuck on a deserted island all by myself and had to play one game forever, it would be straight pool. But I do appreciate nine ball and one pocket and, uh, it's really a close call between all three of them. John, there's there's a number of players out there who they kind of go from cue maker to cue maker. I mean, there's a couple Filipino players who probably change cues for each tournament, but you've yeah. been with Bobby Hunter Q for as long as I can remember. Can you tell us a little bit about that relationship? Well, you know, Bobby is basically the first real professional player that I bumped into and became friends with uh, when I first started learning to play pool, and 
And in a nutshell, uh, you know, he helped me and showed me some things, and, and I really liked his, his character and personality. It was obvious he was a good guy, and everybody liked him. And I, frankly, wanted to be like him. I, I didn't like the way some of the pool players acted, and I tried to copy, you know, uh, his uh, traits. But, but really, the way that whole relationship was, he, he gave me uh, that cue as a wedding gift, and uh, I've kind of played uh, with it ever since. And it's just uh, a great cue, and, uh, you know, we have a good friendship. We've been buddies for almost 15 years now. So, uh, you know, I, I play with it out of loyalty. Even if it was a bad cue, I probably would have played with it because he's my buddy. But thankfully, it was a great cue, and I was able to win a lot of tournaments with it. Well, it's always good to have a, a player like that behind you when you're out there playing yes. on, in big events. Yes. Yeah, and I had Bobby there, and, uh, that, you know, I've done well when I've had him in my corner because uh, he's very good for my confidence and keeping me kind of calm and everything. And yet you are now going to sell that queue, and you are seeking a queue sponsor for this year's Open? Well, yes. Um, I probably will keep the, the queue and play with it again this year, but I, I've been made a very nice offer uh, on the queue, and I have to take it. And, uh, you know, Bobby and I have talked about if I if I get a queue sponsor, uh, that I've got to go ahead and do what's best for me. and Because and, and, uh, I wouldn't even feel right asking for money from Bob. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and get a a company to sponsor me and uh i got a few in the works right now and uh i'm also uh becoming heavily involved with the apa here in the emerald coast uh i've been contracted to be a consultant and advisor for the apa so uh you know like i said uh, emerald coast apa so uh you know winning that u.s open has opened some doors for me and uh you know i think uh they can they can really uh blend with my career nicely well, you're going to have to tell me where the Emerald Coast is. I've not heard well, that. Well, that's the panhandle, you know, like Pensacola and uh, uh, all the way from, say, Fort Walton Beach and Panama City all the way up to Pensacola. Oh, okay. We used to call that Hurricane Alley. Well, some people call it the Redneck Riviera, Hurricane Alley. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of nicknames for it down here. But uh, if you like hunting, fishing, and golfing, and seafood, and tan women, this is the spot. <laughs> tell me. You're obviously an excellent tournament player. Okay. Uh, but if you have your choice, which do you do? Do you play in tournaments, or would you rather play a challenge match against a single individual? Well, I like them both. Um, I've had success at both, uh, thankfully. But uh, the thing is, with a one-on-one -on -one match, uh, you can control the conditions. You know, you can pick the table and and uh wear comfortable clothes so you know and you only have to beat one guy to get the money you're already in the final so that's that's kind of nice but uh but early in my career i did that a lot and you know and you but you don't get any recognition you know when you win tournaments you you're you're thought of as a good player by your peers and the fans and and that's kind of nice everybody wants that so uh that's that's you know of course part of the reason we all play in tournaments to see how we do against the best in the world so uh sure I, I like them both. They both have their own little, uh, you know, strengths or whatever. But I do consider myself a decent money player and a decent tournament player because uh, I believe they both, getting good at one lends, lends itself to the other. John, you uh, you kind of burst onto the scene in an, unor an unorthodox way. Uh, the first time I remember seeing your name uh, tossed around out there was when you you drove Siegel to snap his cue at the 14-1 championship. Right. But since then, you've gone on, you've, you've won a major title that many pool players would, 
would give their career to win that title. Um, right. What are your goals now? I mean, what are you hoping to accomplish after this? Well, uh, I haven't given that much thought. Um, honestly, sometimes I feel like I started in a pool a little late to really make my mark on the game. I took up the game uh, seriously in my early 20s, and, and basically, you know, now I'm 34 and really becoming known as a good player. So sometimes I feel like ah, I've already missed my window, but then, uh, you know, I suppose uh, there's a little pressure on me now to perform well now that I've won the Open, and, and, you know, I hope to just have some good solid finishes and, and win some more tournaments. And, uh, you know, I'd like to I'd like to place high or possibly win the World Championships. Uh, it's going to be tough to do it, but one time in the last five years, I need to start going to that more. My goal is really to, to see pool grow and to see all my buddies on tour and myself make good money and see the sport grow into what it really is. As you guys know, it's a great game, and, and uh, the image of pool is slowly changing. I wish I could do more to change it quicker. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is I don't have the mentality of I'd like to get a million and see everybody else bust it. I wish all the players could do well and we could all make, make a nice living, and, and uh, I think everything would be fine. I think we're headed in that direction. Well, what do you think you as players and us as media and the fans out there, what can everyone do to help realize that goal? Boy, I wish I knew the answer to that. Uh, well, the players, have to, the players have to obviously come together and, uh, and support a tour. And I think the fans, even though it's expensive, it's great when they come out to tournaments and support the, the tours and... Uh, you know, really, we just need a good figurehead to put it all together because uh, there there is a fan base out there, you know. But really, I don't have the answer to that. I'm so busy trying to figure out how to not miss the nine ball <laughs> that uh, I really just don't know the answer to that. But uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good start for the players that are that are again up and coming players. Um, amateur leagues will help pool grow, and I think joining them is going to be a great way. You know, because that's how I started out. I played in an in-house league and became a good player and i think uh the leagues are real strong in the country especially you know the apa it's one of the most well-structured leagues i know but uh the the pro the pros are are kind of all messed up but the amateur leagues are are really becoming strong now have you ever thought have you ever considered uh going overseas where pool players have many more opportunities to make money there are a lot more tournaments and there are a lot of well yeah I honestly I have considered it um but you know I just bought a house here in Pensacola and I've got a girlfriend and and I don't think she wants me taking off to Manila anytime soon but uh deep down I know that's probably the thing that I would need to do if I really want to uh land the sponsors win the tournaments and stay sharp would be to move over to the Philippines or Taiwan and play but I just don't see that happening anytime soon yeah John, we really do appreciate the time you've given us and wish you all the luck in the world, especially at this upcoming U.S. Open, and we look forward to seeing you up there. Well, thanks, guys, for having me, and I'll see you at the Open, and thanks for all the fans for listening. Thanks, John. It's always great talking to John Schmidt. I wish him all the, all the best at the upcoming U.S. Open and at the other events that he's got on his schedule for the rest of this year. That's all I've got, Jerry. Have you got anything else for us this week? Nope, I think that's a wrap. Okay, we'll be here again same time next week. Thanks for listening to Run Out Radio.